This is Motor Mania on Dubai Eye 103.8. Powered by servicebycar.com. Here's Ray Addison. Yes, good morning. Welcome to Motor Mania, the car talk show. And over the next two hours, we'll be catching up with all the latest from the world of motoring. On the show today, I'll be chatting to Mazin Al-Khatib about his collection of, wait for it, over 100 classic cars. Jealous? Just a bit. Plus, journalist Damien Reed will be joining us from Australia with the latest news, including his take on the announcement that Ford is going to go all electric in Europe by 2026 and Jaguar will be doing the same by 2025. That's also the theme of this week's poll over on our Instagram page at Dubai I 1038FM. That's at Dubai I 1038FM. Will you own an electric car within the next five years? You can either vote yes or no. But before we get into any of that, we're kicking off the show with... Fix it or flip it. In just a moment, regular listeners will know that Matthew Davidson will be here. He's the head of motoring at Dubizzle. He'll be giving us his benefit of his expertise. That's that's the simplest way of putting it, because he's going to provide live car valuations. Now, why is that a good thing? Well, if you're trying to decide whether to fix up or sell your car, you need to provide the make, the model, the year, the mileage and the condition of your car. And Matthew will tell you what you could get if you decide to sell. Or maybe he'll say, no, hold on to it because, you know, that'll be worth more money in future. Or you can just get more value out of the car before selling. Right now, Matthew joins us. Matthew, good morning. Ray? It's good to have you with us. How's your week been? Yeah, fantastic. I mean, so much going on. I was like the whole of the UAE gripped with the mission to Mars. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, seeing that first image back from Mars, it it certainly put my hairs on end. Yeah, that was Um, amazing. What an an achievement. And then we we actually celebrated that with Supercars Majlis by taking 50 supercars to the highest point in the UAE, the top of Jebel Jace. Um, we had a flag there. It was it was an amazing moment. Um, it was truly a fantastic uh, uh, time. And and this week I've been really into the two big car launches, which is the new Porsche 911 GT3 and McLaren's new mm. Atora. Um, maybe uh, later on Damien might fill you in with more details, but they've been two eagerly anticipated launches for for both Porsche and McLaren. So it's been a really hectic week. Yeah, and you sent me the pictures of the uh, of the supercar Majlis, your journey to sort of um, commemorate that really special moment with the the Hope Probe reaching orbit around Mars. And I saw some video, I saw some picture, and there was you know it was a really good turnout and and a and a, and a great day by the looks of it. Yeah, I, you know, what I, one thing I love about being in this country is we all seem to get together for, for common things, whether it's helping people, whether it's celebrating things. And yeah, that was just, it, like I said, it was, it, you know, a, a really emotional moment. Mm-hmm. You know, within 50 years, this country is, is, is come out of the desert and, and we've reached Mars. And now we're seeing on the news that 
other countries uh, arriving at Mars, and we even got there first. So, I mean, <laughs> what, what a thing to celebrate, you know? Yeah, that was, it was a busy old week for, for, for Mars uh, um, expeditions, if that's the right term. The, we, the Chinese uh, satellite went the, the following day, and uh, the US, I think, was um, the 18th of February as well. But we became the very first Arab country to um, achieve orbit around Mars, and I think the fifth uh, country um, in total. Um, out of all these amazing nations, you know, for us to do it, uh, such a young country as well, was really, really special moment. Uh, but Matthew, the reason you're here is to give us uh, the benefit of your expertise. You are going to advise our listeners on whether they should fix up or flip and sell on their cars. Um, why is that such a, an important thing to do? Because it's the time to find out. A lot of people are selling at the moment, aren't they? And, um, you know, people, a lot of people are sort of moving on. And a lot of people are sort of, uh, because of lockdown and restrictions and so forth, are sort of thinking, you know, maybe it's time to sell, maybe it's time to sort of uh, get some money out of out of this car and sort of making purchasing decisions. And you've probably seen a lot of activity going on um, on Dubizzle. Yeah, and I, and I think now we're, we're, we're 20th of February, so the, the, we're well into the new year, we're well into 2021, which means prices have kind of adjusted now. I think in previous shows we talked about the importance, I think in December, uh, of you are selling, of moving it, because, for example... Uh, a 2017 car in December of 20 felt like a three-year-old car. Mm. That car now feels like a four-year-old car because we use model years here in the UAE. So I, I think prices have kind of settled down into the new year now, and it's important to know what your car's worth because positioning your car online at the right price is the difference between you selling it rel- relatively quickly and not. And and. You know, you don't want to be too uh, far out of reach because you're not going to get any calls, but you don't want to undersell your car mm. and sell it at, at too low a price. So that's what we're here to do. Good. Well, Freddie has texted. Uh, he says he's got a Dodge Charger. It's white. It's 2019, uh, four-door, and it's only got 18,500 kilometres on the clock, but he would like to know, should he fix it or flip it? Doesn't sound like there'd be a lot of fixing uh, to go on there, but is it time to sell? Well, maybe if it's a U.S. Specs, a lot of U.S. Specs uh, charges creep into the UAE and they look quite attractive in price. And if it was U.S. Specs, it would be under 100K, something like 95,000. But if it's a GCC car, it would be more like 130. But yeah, there shouldn't be any fixing to do on that car. And, mm. and if Freddie did want to sell it, then he's, he, he's got the two prices, depending on whether it's an import or not. Good morning, Elora. Good morning. Hey, how are you doing? Very well, and yourself? Yeah, doing all right. Uh, thanks for joining us on the show. What would you like to ask Matthew? Uh, sure, thank you. So I have a um, S class S five hundred, and it's two thousand and fifteen. Mm-hmm. That's the model, and it's driven like around seventy two thousand kilometers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was considering if I sell it or not because I have another car that's also a a, a coupe car, which is a, the nine eleven, but also two thousand fifteen. Um, so yeah. So you're <laughs> thinking, I, do I need two cars? Let me maybe get rid of uh, the S class. One of them. One of them. Exactly. Okay. Okay. And preferably the S class because I feel like the, and obviously he would give me more, more information. I feel like the Porsche is like a classic car. Yes. That you should use, so yeah. Actually, we're talking about classic cars a little bit later on the program. Yeah. So it's good that you called yeah. in, uh, Matthew. S class. It's an S five hundred, twenty fifteen, seventy two thousand kilometers on the clock. Fix or flip. Yeah, I mean, such a stunning car, particularly in 
in coupe form. Um, I mean, when they when they launched, I, I just remember it was a, a complete fight for everybody to grab hold of one of those. But with those kilometers, that should be around 250,000 dirhams. Um, it, it's it's one of those cars where photograph right put online you, you will get a lot of people chasing that because obviously when they first launched they were uh, more than more than double a lot more than double that price so now they're at that price point where they still look at contemporary car and a lot of people can afford them now so 250,000 should sell that car so what about if you wanted to make the decision that Elora's trying to make there between the 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 S class and the and the the, the 911 which one would you uh, decide to sell well, the, you know, the S-Class is pure luxury with power. Um, the 911 is, is way more sportier. I mean, if you, if you really want to go out and drive and feel exhilarated, 911 wins all day long. Mm. But if you want a, a, a nice balance between something that has power when you put your foot to the floor uh, and something that feels incredibly luxurious and looks very contemporary, I would go with the S-Class. So, Elora, does that help? Yeah, definitely it does help. Thank you so much. Have Thanks you decided? So you, I think you, no. you kind of, well, it felt to me like you'd I made have, up your mind I straight have, away. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I had made up my mind. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. Thank you very much. Thanks right. a lot. Bye, Laura. Cheers. Uh, on the line, on line three, let's see uh, Sam. Good morning, Sam. Yeah, hi, good morning. How are you doing? And what would you like to ask Matthew? Yeah, it's a 2009 Range Rover autobiography. 102,000 kilometers. Okay. And uh, what are you thinking? What sort of condition is it in and, and why, are you, why are you calling up for the valuation? Good condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I have to get it, um, I guess, service and so on. It's beyond warranty. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering whether I should keep it or get rid of it. Okay. Matthew, what would you say? Morning, Sam. Um, that car now is getting on for, what, 11 years old. Um they do get expensive um, and they do change hands now, unfortunately, because it's the older shape. It's the, it's the, the much older generation of, of Range Rover. I, I, I hate to break your heart because you probably think it's worth a lot more. But um, if you've got 35, 40K, that would be amazing. Um, but I think more like it might be 32 to 35. Um, I'd certainly start it a little bit higher, but these cars just are not holding their value at all now because they cost more money per year to keep them on the road mm. than they're actually worth now. Which is probably why you're um, considering letting it go, Sam. What does that sound like to you, the valuation that Matthew's given? Yeah, it sounds reasonable. I guess the question I have is, if I literally even consider junking it, will it last another couple of years before I junk it? Mm. Good question. Well, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't keep it. It's a great question, and I wouldn't keep it because... You, know, you think, well, I'll drive it and junk it, but the cost of, of driving that car um, could make that uh, a risky play. You only need a, a relatively small failure, like an, an AC failure, because you can't use it in the summer without AC. That could be putting you back seven, eight, nine thousand 9,000 wow. to replace the AC system. If it's a gearbox or engine problem, it's game over. Uh, so if that car is running quite well, um, take whatever value you can uh, get out of that car and move on. Let it go, Sam. You've got to let it go. Thanks. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right, thanks for calling. Uh, Nina has messaged in, Matthew. She's got a BMW Z4. It's 2014 uh, white, 124,000 kilometres on the clock. Uh, it's a two-door. What would you say to Nina, fix or flip? Yeah, certainly a nice coupe, the Z4, and 
seven years old, it, it started to, to really uh, bottom out into, in terms of depreciation. It'll start to fall a little bit less now. I think with those kilometers around 60,000 dirhams, um, uh, but that'll be a nice car for somebody to pick up because quite, quite again, a nice contemporary design, the Z4, um, and should still be uh, looking quite good even though it's at seven years. So 60,000 or sell that. That's the way it works. Uh, we'll be back with more valuations after this. Fix it or flip it. Car guru Matthew Davidson is on the line with us if you want to ask him the benefit of his expertise. Let us know the make, the model, the year, the mileage, the condition of your car, and he will give you his expert advice. Uh, Matthew, just quickly, uh, we've got uh, quite a full switchboard at the moment. uh, And before we come to a deal, um, I just wanted to get your view. We're running a poll on our social media uh, Instagram page at Dubai I 1038FM. And we're asking, will you own an electric vehicle within the next five years? I don't know if you've looked at it, but what, what, what way do you reckon that poll will end up going will most of us own an electric car within five years well it's an interesting one because if you'd asked me two three years ago even i would have said no but the rate at which electric cars are moving at the moment um they've just got everything behind them Mm. you know globally all of the manufacturers are switching this way and the money behind electric vehicles but i look at where we are here in in the middle east and particularly the uae and we have relatively lower fuel costs um, and a lot of us live in apartments, which isn't as easy to charge the cars, etc. So um, I'm going to say within five years, probably not here. Within 10 years, definitely. Mm. So I'm going to swing with with no on the majority because that's the way I feel myself as well. OK, well, that's how it's going at the moment. I think it's 60 percent now, 40 percent. Yeah. Uh, if you want to vote, go to uh, our social media page on Instagram at Dubai I 1038 FM. But we are here to get some uh, car valuations. Adil is on the line. Good morning, Adil. Morning, Ray. Morning, Matthew. Morning. How are you doing? Uh, what would you like to ask Matthew? Uh, well, I drive a uh, 2014 Porsche Cayenne, mm-hmm. and it's under warranty for the next two years. Uh, I've driven about 102,000 kilometers on it, but I notice a lot of people start selling cars around 100,000, so I'm just wondering if, if it's wise to hold on for the next couple of years and run the warranty out, or maybe use the warranty and get a decent price now. Mm. And that's not huge mileage, is it, Matthew, for a, for a 2014? Uh, what would you say? Is, it, is that sort of magic 100K number a moment for us to sort of pause and think? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think um, it raises some really interesting points. First of all, 100K is a psychological number for everybody. Um, I, I would always advise somebody, if you're thinking about selling and you're at that kind of 95,000 kilometer mark, it is a good time to sell. The warranty, actually, instead of keeping the car and maybe extracting the value yourself from the warranty, use it uh, to sell the car because not many 2014 Porsches will have warranty. As we've discussed before, you can continue a warranty with Porsche up to 10 years, but not many people do. So it's, it's a bit of a, um, an advantage over everyone else. Is it just a normal Cayenne, the V6, or is it the V8, the Cayenne S, or the GTS? It's the, it's the normal V6. Okay, so look, my advice would be to sell that and, and really, because again, more people are chasing the S and the GTS, so you really need to fight a bit harder. Um, definitely, definitely promote that warranty. That needs to be literally the first thing in the, the headline of wh- wherever you put this advertisement. 
it needs to be in the top headline warranty from Porsche because that is really, really important. Um, in terms of price, it's, it's a difficult one because you've got a lot of higher kilometer, non-warranty GTSs, et cetera, around. But if I was to put that car online today, I, I would say it would be around 75, 80,000. Um, you may even be able to start at 85 if that if people catch hold of that warranty. Um, but yeah, I would consider selling it at this point for sure. What do you say to that, Adil? Brilliant. That's actually not too bad. That's that's very close to the price point I had in mind. So maybe I'll just put it out there and see what comes back in. Good luck Thank with you that. So much, guys. Good luck, Adil. Uh, joining us on line three, we have uh, Aaron. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning. Hey, how you doing? And um, what would you like to ask Matthew? Uh, fine. I have a BMW X5 mm-hmm. M kit, a 2018 model with uh, two years warranty left out and 50,000 kilometers run. Okay. What would be the price? Okay. Are you thinking of selling? No, just uh, evaluating it. That's it. Uh, okay. All right. You're holding on to it, but you want that valuation from Matthew. What would you say, Matthew? Yeah, morning. Is it is it the thirty five I with M kit or is it the the five yes, zero? Thirty five I. No, thirty five I. Yeah, that that's that's a really nice car. And and in terms of would you hang on to it? Well, this this is a, one that you could hang on to because you do have a two years more warranty. I'd probably, unless you're thinking of changing it for something very specific that you desire or you need to sell it, I'd probably keep that for one more year. Um, because then you can sell it with still a year's remaining warranty. Your kilometers are not too bad. In terms of price now, I mean, realistically, that car's worth around 175, um, maybe 180. Um, but I would honestly keep that car for one more year and extract the benefit of that warranty. Well, how does that sound to you then, uh, Aaron? It sounds like you wanted to hold on to it, but is a year, no, is a year about right? I would definitely hold on. Okay, so longer than a year. Yes, yes, definitely. Oh, okay, interesting. Uh, well, I hope that helps. Uh, Vinod has given us a call this morning. Good morning, Vinod. Hello, hi. Good morning, Regent. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, uh, what are you after? Evaluation or are you thinking about selling? Um, I, I own two cars. Um, mm. One is a 2014 Honda Accord and mm. the other one is a 2017 Honda City. Now, my my intention is to, you know, spend very less on any of the service costs, which uh, I could foresee for the next three years. And uh, so with these two cars, somehow I want to manage another uh, two to three years. So that's what I'm looking for. And now because of the pandemic, my second car, which is which was being used by my wife, is no longer uh, being used. So the, the car is not running anymore. Mm-hmm. And I would want to take a decision on to... Um, sell between these cars so that you know I could I could um, just uh, have one car for the next two to three years. Okay. So now, you've, uh, so, sorry, you've got a so you've got a Honda City 2017. It's got 48,000 on the clock, and you've got a Honda Accord 2014. How what's the mileage on that? Uh, that's 120. Oh, 120. Big difference. Okay. So your decision is hold on to the Accord or or, or hold on to the City. Yes, um, considering that I could use the Accord as my uh, family car for the next uh, two to three years, mm-hmm. and the car was completely, um, you know, serviced uh, with Honda and things like this, I, I hope I may not be incurring 
quite a lot of maintenance on that car for the next three years. So that's what okay. I require and advise on one. What I think of, uh, you know, an accord going further for two to three years in terms of maintenance mm-hmm. or and also what I could expect if I would just sell off the city at, right now at this point. Well, you've called the right guy. Matthew, what would you uh, say? Yeah, this is this is a nice one to discuss. I mean, for a start, both cars, bizarrely, are worth around the same amount of money, early 30,000, between uh, 30 and 32,000. So the, they're both worth similar money. So either one that you sell, you're going to get the same uh, type of uh, return. In terms of listening to you, 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 you need something bigger than the city if you're going to move your family around. So I'd probably sell the city. Um, I'd yep. keep the Accord. I, I wouldn't, um, to keep costs down, I obviously wouldn't maintain the car in Honda, um, particularly being a seven-year-old car now. There's a lot of um, good aftermarket uh, garages that will take care of Honda. I'll let you do some basic uh, due diligence and Googling, and I'm sure you'll find them. Um, but, yeah, I'd keep the Accord. They are nearly bulletproof. They, they run and run, and your kilometers aren't too bad, actually, for uh, a, the Japanese uh, reliable car that Honda is. So keep the Accord, service it outside the agencies, tell the city. Uh, what would uh, what do you think that he could get for the city then, Matthew? I think about thirty two, thirty three thousand. Thirty two to thirty three. How does that sound, Vinod? Perfect. So that's kind of matching what I had in my mind uh, to serve my purpose in the most economical way with what I have right now. Yeah. Thank you very much. I think that answers me. Brilliant. Thanks, uh, Vinod. Uh, we're going to take a call from uh, Yasser. Is next on our line. Good morning, Yasser. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing fine. Excellent. Uh, what would you like to ask Matt? All right. So I have uh, Audi Q5 S. Mm-hmm. 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a 3.2 liter engine. It has uh, 195,000 kilos. And uh, it's running fine. Most of the kilometers are highway miles. But I'm thinking of switching. So just going to get the point of view about these cars. Would they last, sell and get another newer car? Mm -hmm. Yes, you haven't got a great line, so I'm going to just fade you down. But um, you can hear uh, Matthew's advice. Matthew, just in case you missed that, it's an Audi Q5. It's it's a 3.2 litre and it's got 200,000 on the clock. What would you say to Yasa, fix or flip? Yeah, well, he said 195, so it is just about 200. Mm. And, and the point I'm, I'm focusing on there is exactly that. I mean, you need to get out of that car before it goes over 200. Because people looking at a European car with 200,000 on, that's really going to hurt it. I mean, regardless of price, not many people would be brave enough to dive into that car, mm. uh, seven years old, over 200,000. So don't drive it much more sell with 195 it is a nice spec it's the s line mm-hmm. um in terms of value uh, you need to get that car around um maybe early 40s something like um 42 43 uh make some really nice photos make it look as best as you can because everybody that looks at it or look first at those kilometers so do as good as you can with uh taking time take it somewhere nice Photograph it, 42, 43,000, but please exit that car. 
pretty rapidly. Exit Yasser, uh, exit ahead. Matt is here with us for Fix It On Flip It uh, for the next 30 minutes or so. I think we've got you, Matthew. And the, the switchboard, I will tell you, is pretty much full. We've got two slots left. We'll be back after this. Fix It or Flip It. Matthew Davidson is here. He's head of motoring at Dubizzle and he's giving you his expert opinion on whether you should fix or flip your car. But I'll be honest, we're not going through many of the texts at the moment because we've had so many callers. Uh, Mundit is, uh, Mudit, sorry, is on line two. Good morning, Mudit. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Uh, and what would you like I'm to ask Matthew? Good. I'm good. Um, I currently drive a Range Rover 2012 uh, Supercharge. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking to sell it. It has about done 225,000 kilometers. Um, I'm pretty much sure I won't get the price what I'm looking for, but I just wanted his advice or um, what what do you think should I do with it? Before Matthew, sell it off on scrap? Before Matthew sort of tells you what he thinks you could get or gives you that advice, what, what were you thinking you might be able to sell it for? 45. 45. Okay, 45,000 dirhams. Matthew. Well, that's uh, another car that's right on the edge of the shape change, 2012 into 13. It changed at the back end of 13. So it's an older shape now. Um, in terms of kilometers, I missed it. Sorry to ask you again. 225,000. Yeah, that's again. Um, yeah, I mean, being the supercharged, that's an advantage because people want that trim. Um, your valuation's probably right on point forty-five. Um, you could start advertising it initially, maybe at forty-nine, and then look to sell for forty-five. If you don't get much response after maybe ten days, two weeks maximum, then maybe advertise for forty-five and look to close the deal around forty-two. How does that sound to okay. you then, would it? Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. You sound you, you sound despondent. <laughs> if, you, if you don't mind me saying, you know, uh, you, you're sort of hoping to get a bit more, maybe. Yes, uh, because this is the first I've taken care of, and everything is done from the showroom. Nothing mm. has gone. Nothing has, apart from the brake pads and the tires. Mm-hmm. Uh, till date, nothing, nothing serious. So, the forty-two is. Uh, it's it's not too bad, but it's it's uh, it's to do the job. Uh, while I've got you on the line, uh, Marit, we're we're doing a, a little poll on our social media at the moment at Dubai I one hundred three eight FM. We're asking people could they see themselves owning a, an electric car within the next five years? What would your answer to that be? Uh, I would love to own an electric car. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But could it happen? Um, it could, yes. Okay. I, I, I do think so, yeah. I do think so. Um, but, I, I, but when I say this, I do also mean that petrol heads will never, uh, petrol cars will never go out of uh, uh, demand. I have, I have a strong feeling that electric cars will also rise in demand, but petrol will always be the main priority. Yeah, I just, I, I kind of agree with you, but I also think they might uh, end up being sort of legislated against to the point where, you know, maybe you can only use them in, in certain situations or on private land, for example. But we will see. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, doing very well. What would you like to ask, Matthew? Yeah, I need to sell a Land Cruiser. It's a 2019 model GXR V6 and it's white. Mm-hmm. All seem to be white, right? And it's got uh, twenty-eight thousand on the clock. Okay, so uh, pretty, pretty low on the mileage. And you're you're moving on. You're moving out. 
that's right. Okay, so it's time to sell, um, and you want a valuation. Before Matthew gives you the valuation, what are you hoping to get from it? I haven't done my homework yet. So oh, okay. Not even a ballpark? <laughs> no, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matthew, what do you say? Was it 2018? 2019. 2019. Uh, 2019, yeah. Um, look, that is a car that's... that's you know, creeping into what would be two years old now um, in the eyes of people looking to buy it, which is actually arguably not too bad because people like to buy two-year-old cars. If, if, if it's close to a one-year-old car, they also look at the option of just going straight to the showroom and, and obviously buying a new one or haggling to buy a new one. Um, I would say that car is right under 200,000 dirhams at the moment. I would say it's, you know, right. put it on maybe... One one ninety five, something like that, and see how the market reacts. With always a view that you could um, you could dip down, but I don't think you'll need to dip down. I think one ninety five should generate enough interest to to sell that car for you. Do you mind me asking how much you paid for it, Peter? Uh, I bought it in the in the summer of nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was about two thirty-five, if I remember correctly. Okay, so that's that's not really too bad if you sort of consider the cost of you just rented a vehicle or, or so forth. You've had you've yeah. had sort of three years out of it for thirty-five. Yeah, I'm sure I can settle it. So so that sounds pretty good. Thank you. Brilliant. Our speed quote round, which is uh, coming up just before eleven a.m. this morning. That, we always look forward to that, don't we, Matthew? <laughs> speed oh yeah. <laughs> 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 um, right, let's uh, speak to Steve. He is on line two. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, guys. How are you? All right? Yeah, doing doing very well. And um, you're being a little bit unconventional today. You're not asking know, for evaluation. You want some advice? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'm after two secondhand cars, mm-hmm. one family car and one car for myself, like a business slash commuter car. Okay. I have something in mind. I just wanted to share it with Matthew to see if he thought it was a good option and maybe just get see how much you think I should uh, budget for. So the first okay. is a family car. I was thinking of the Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited, uh, the, v, the V6. Uh, looking for either 2014 or 2015 because that's the, that's the new shape, uh, as I understand. And kilometre-wise, in the region of about 100 kilometres, 100,000 kilometres, uh, to about 150, you know, the, the lower the better, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that's the first family car. The business car slash commuter car I was thinking of is a Nissan Maxima V6, uh, the SL uh, trim, uh, 2017 or 2018. Uh, and I'm looking for a mileage of about 50,000 clicks. 50K. What do you think, Matthew? Yeah, well, let's start with the, the Jeep. One of the most popular cars here for a reason. Uh, on the Bizzle, I think it's uh, up there with stuff like the Prado and the Pajero in how much they're uh, bought and sold, changing hands. Um, you're right to go for the Limited because that's a high enough spec that you, you get all the creature comforts. Um, in terms of price, I mean, I've seen Limited out on the market with... Um, within the kilometer range that you talk about. Obviously, ideally, it would be nice to get it maybe 80,000 kilometers, something like that. So it keeps the price low enough, but gets you the car that you want. I think you want to be budgeting around 75 for the Jeep. 
um, okay. if you want to get a 2015 Limited. Mm. Um, the Maxima is an interesting choice because that is just you pounding the highway. I presume you're going between Emirates? Yeah, Abu Dhabi, Dubai. PCR. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, it, it, it's a pretty bulletproof car. I mean, you just need to stay on top of the maintenance. If you are driving a lot, change the oil a lot, uh, get the brakes checked, etc. Um, because you are on the high, highway. Um, I would probably go for, again, um, something around that uh, mid-specs. Um, if you've got a GCC one with about, eight, again, 80,000, because with this one, I don't think it's important that you start with such a low kilometer because you're just going to yeah. put lots of highway kilometers onto this car anyway. Uh, and you don't want to go with the SB, the really full option car, because it, you know, you're defeating the objective of getting value out of that. So budget wise, I think you would have 30 to 35 for that car. So both cars combined, I would say 110,000 should get you both cars exactly what you want. How does that and sound? I would pick, I would pick both yeah. of those cars actually for what you want. Yeah. Grand Cherokee is such a safe car for the family, enough creature comforts, enough toys, etc. But um, I love that car, and the Maxima is is a highway beast. Yeah, so you've you've done a really good job in your uh, research. So 110. Well, you know, I've been listening to Dubai Eye, so there's some research there. So there we go. <laughs> John, can I ask? You're in a position where you're buying two two cars. Are you new to to the UAE? Uh, well, no, I'm, I've actually come back. Ah, so I've great. been here for 16 years, which is why I'm, I used to have a, a Jeep Grand Cherokee, but I had the Overland. Uh, that was the V8 and mm. had problems with the air suspension. I had to change both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of learned my lesson. I'm going to go for the V6, just the, the normal suspension. And previously, the business commuter car I had was a Honda uh, Accord uh, V6 as well. I, uh, one of your early, earlier callers uh, had one. Mm. And you also mentioned that's almost bulletproof as well. So I think anything Japanese is, is pretty good as a commuter car. Um, but yeah, so good. Well, it's co- uh, thanks for calling in. Good to hear that people are, no are coming back because we, we sometimes get on the show. We hear people are, are leaving, so it's great to hear that you're coming back. One hundred and ten k, and I hope that helps. You're back with Ray Addison on Motor Mania, only on Dubai I one hundred three point eight. Yes, and if you want to get a valuation from Matthew, now is the time. We've got him for, what, 10 more minutes, uh, Matt, and then it's a speed quote. Uh, so now is the time. Joining us on the line is John. Good morning, John. Good morning, uh, everyone. Yeah, great to have you with us. What would you like to ask Matthew? And I'm going to ask everyone to be hey, really, I, I, really quick because we've, we're rapidly running out of time. Go for it. Okay, I, I'm looking at uh, selling my car. I've got a Porsche uh, GTS train. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2016 model, around 82,000 uh, kilometers, and it's been fully serviced at the Al Buddha. So I was just looking at selling this and buying another one. So I just wanted a valuation. Okay, Matthew. Sorry, what was the kilometers? Line a bit flaky. Yeah, did you say 82,000, John? Yeah. 82, yes. Yeah, so that's that's not bad kilometers actually. That that car, if it's a, a Cayenne GTS with 82,000 kilometers, I would say around uh, 175, um, maybe even 170. How does that sound? That sounds about what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing was, uh, anytime you put an ad, people come in with 130 and 120. So I was a bit worried. Okay, so it's a little bit higher then for you. 
absolutely. Fantastic. Um, and what about going electric? Could, could you see yourself going electric in the next five years? 100%. My son has been after me to buy Tesla next, so I'm ah. a, a rather electric fan, yes. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, thanks for giving us a call, John. Uh, Neil is next. Good morning, Neil. Yeah, hi, good morning. How are you doing? Fine, thanks. Excellent. What would you like to ask Matt? Yeah, I've got a 2016 BMW uh, M3 uh, with all the bells and whistles. It's got about 64,000 kilometres on it. Okay. And uh, you're looking for a, a sale or you've decided to you just want a valuation? Yeah, no, no. We're, we're trying to sell it. Okay. Uh, Matthew? 2016? Yeah, that's right, 2016. Yeah, I mean, look, that car is probably, I would say, around the 200 mark. Um, it, it, these cars, there aren't many around. You might find, I don't know, three, four um, 2016 M3s on the market. Um, what color is it? Because color is going to be pretty critical as well. Yeah, it's red. Yeah, I mean, it looks it looks nice in red, but um, red's a tough color to sell for some reason. I don't know why. They, they, they go into a lot of uh, psychology about it, unless it's a Ferrari, of course. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to move it relatively quickly, I'd put it just under 200, maybe like literally listed at 199. See how the market speaks to you, and then you can go from there. Yeah, that, that seems like a bit more than I was expecting because uh, uh, the valuations I got were around 120. Okay. That's that's crazy. Somebody's trying to steal your car. Have, have, a, have a look online and you'll see that nobody's selling a 2016 M3 for 120, believe me. Okay. And have you, have you, are you leaving or have you decided to buy something oh, else I, then, Neil? I, I'm sorry. I, I, I've, made, I've made a mistake. It's an X3. It's not an M3. That's where, that's where we're getting it. Ah, does that change things, Matthew? <laughs> yes. <right. laughs> <laughs> oh, that's made my... That's made my made my day now. Yeah, that that does that just completely uh, change it. No one's robbing you at all. Um, no, a 2016 X3. If you're getting 120, then please uh, bite their hand off. It's not worth 120. Oh, um, oh. I would I would say un, unless it's like an uh, uh, an M Sport X3, um, but uh-huh. even then, you'd be lucky to get a hundred thousand for that car. That's that like that's. I feel I feel bad, Neil. That's like from from joy to despair in uh, yeah, less no. than thirty seconds. No, I I thought I, I thought I must have given some wrong information. When I said 200, but, uh, yeah, I, I was maybe to, maybe we should uh, get him an M3. <laughs> uh, Neil, uh, thank you so much. Just going to end the call there, just for time reasons. Uh, let's go to Adnan now. Adnan, good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you doing? What would you like to ask, Matt? Uh, so, yeah, I've got two cars you could help me. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is a 2012 Ford Focus. Mm-hmm. It's done 170 kilometers. Um, hatchback 2.0. Okay. And the second? Yeah. And the second is a VW Touareg uh, 2013, 160 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to be the standard um, pack. And what are you after, evaluation or your uh, selling? I'm selling, yes. Okay. Evaluation. Okay. So what would you say, Matthew? Well, we'll start with a focus. Um, that will sell for twelve, thirteen thousand dirhams, particularly that that age for that with with that kilometers. It's a type of car that people want to grab and just run around and the next person that buys it will probably run that car uh to, towards the end. Um so look you're looking at twelve, thirteen thousand. 
the Tuareg, what, what what did you say the kilometers were? Twenty thirteen with how many? Uh, one sixty. Yeah, one sixty. You're talking about maybe late thirties, thirty nine. You might even get forty, but I would probably advertise that car for thirty nine. How does that sound? Yeah, yeah, no, that sounds about right. With the Ford, I've got um, I'll tie a service package for another twelve months if that makes any difference. Wow, I mean that is. A Focus still serviced even uh, without tire Ford at that age is good enough. But if you've paid for a servicing, which means 12 more servicing, you can bolt probably the cost of that service package onto the car. So um, you're looking at at least another two 2,000 plus. So maybe put it online for 15, even 16. Adnan, hope that helps. Uh, last caller today, Walter, very quickly, what would you like to ask Matt? Hi, uh, yeah, I uh, just thought I'd call in because I have an interesting one. It's a Honda S2000, 2005 AP2, mm-hmm. with about 200,000 kilometers on it. 2005 Honda S2000, 200,000 kilometers. Yeah. Matt? Yeah, rare car, absolutely rare car. Um, maybe one or two for sale in the UAE right now. Um, uh, made famous by the original Fast and Furious film, actually. Um uh, I would say uh, you can't quite name your price, but um, I would start putting that car on around maybe 70K, 75. See how the the market talks to you and go from there. But uh, it's one of those cars where if somebody wants one, it's just you versus them. But mm. there won't be many for sale for sure. Walter, Very rare car. Hope that helps. Uh, Matt, we've got to go straight into speed quote. Are you ready? You know I'm born ready for this. <laughs> okay, uh, let's put 60 seconds on the clock. We've got all the text here that we didn't have time to go through. Uh, we're going to start in three, two, one. Okay, Honda Accord 2014 mid option, 180k on the clock. Uh, late 20s, 28, 29. BMW 523i 2012 full options, 132,000. A nice car, full option. I would put it on maybe 35,000 euros. Ford Focus Hatchback 2.0, 170,000. Uh, what year? Uh, 2012. Uh, same, we just had uh, 12, 13 feet. Jaguar XF 4.2 SV 2009, 81,000. Oh, they're not worth much, 23, 24,000. BMW 335 Twin Turbo 2009 GCC full service, 110,000. Guaranteed to have an engine light on 28,000. <laughs> 2014 BMW X5, 155,000, good condition, uh, 4.8 injection. A uh, bigger engine, around 80,000. Oh! I, I think we got six last time, which we equaled this time. We're still on six. We're never going to beat six. We won't beat six, it's will we? It's just the time. We won't beat six. No, but... Um, my Nemesis car popped up. The, the 335, the 2009 335. <laughs> it's, it's a twin turbo car that, that always had problems. You just couldn't get the engine light on. Everyone just had them in the garage forever. I call it my Nemesis car. Very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. We'll speak to you in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, and uh, thanks so much for your expert advice. This is Motormania with Ray Addison. Powered by ServiceMyCar.com. Now shut up and drive. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Hello, yes, you're listening to Motormania. This is your chance to talk cars and to keep up to date with the latest motoring news. 
Still to come on today's show, I'll be chatting to Mazin Al-Khatib about how he turned his passion for classic cars into a business. Plus, we'll be discussing the recent announcement that Ford will be going all electric in Europe by 2026 and Jaguar will be all electric by 2025. Uh, and of course, that's the theme of this week's poll over on our Instagram page at Dubai I1038FM. Will you buy an electric car within the next five years. You can vote either yay or nay, uh, and you can also message the show on 4001. Right now, the what the nays are winning, uh, but it's quite close. 53% of you say no, not within the next five years. 47% uh, say yes, you plan to buy uh, an electric car within the next five years. Right, uh, we'll give you the results of that poll later on with the show, but first it's time to catch up on the latest motoring news with journalist Damien Reed joins us. Uh, still in Oz, uh, Damien? Yes, I'm still in here in, uh, in Australia. Summer Australia <laughs> waiting to get that flight, yes. <laughs> um, let's start with um, the story that kind of inspired our poll today on social media. Ford has announced that it's going all electric in Europe by 2026. Tell us about this. Yeah, it's a, it's a big announcement. Um, and this is the the, their, their operation in Germany, um, their, their main operation there, is going to go all electric. Mm. And uh, their factory in Cologne has been the, it's, it's the home of uh, all the car, all the, all the smaller Fords that we've known over the years, the Cortinas, the Escorts, the Capris, that sort of thing, uh, the Fiesta. They've all come out of Germany. And now it's going all electric by 2026, 100% of its passenger vehicle range. Now, the big reason behind that, of course, is that Ford is just on the verge of releasing its first fully EV car. And it is, horror of horror, wearing a Mustang badge. Um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a, and it's a $5 hatch SUV. Oh. It's the most un-Mustang Mustang you can imagine. But that's going to lead Ford's charge into electrification. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting times. And, of course, you know... I, Jaguars has also said that um, 100% of Jaguars will be um, electric by 2025 and then um, 60% of Land Rovers and Range Rovers will be electric by uh, 2030. The first fully um, electric Land Rover on sale by 2024. This is the trend, isn't it? This is, this is what's happening. And eventually, you know, it's going to be just 100%. Yeah, it's going. It definitely is. It's, it's being pushed not so much by the car industry themselves, but it's being pushed by the the government legislation. So yeah. in, in Europe, it's being pushed by by the EU. And in North America, it's being pushed by California, particularly that they they have what they call the cafe regu- smog regulations. And California is such a, a big big market. California on its own would be the seventh largest car market in the world. Outside, if you, if you exclude China. Um, in, in the world, so you know it's um, it's an enormous market, and that's pushing the manufacturers to to, to go down. Um, it, they're going down electrification path, but they have changed their terminology a little bit recently to zero emission and carbon neutral. So they're they're still looking at other options as to how they can attain that goal. But electric and electrification are two very different things. So so when we say Ford is going 100 percent. Uh, zero emission capable is, is the actual wording on their press release. So that's including plug-in hybrids um, and, uh, and, and vehicles that can run on electricity, but also run perhaps another fuel that, that keeps, them, keeps them below their targets. So um, everyone's trying to work out the best way forward. 
but as you say, with with Jaguar and Land Rover indeed, they've they've already made their their decision that um, that they're going to go down that path by twenty thirty. A hundred percent of all Jaguars will be electric, and sixty mm. percent of all Land Rovers. I think it was uh, Mudit who we were chatting to earlier, and I asked him, you know, could he see himself going going electric? And he he said that he felt that their that pure petrol heads would um, would reject it and would you know would sort of not not embrace it. What, what's your view? Sort of long, t- you know, if we look sort of thirty thirty years down the down the track. Do you think that that will be the case, or do you think that they'll be they'll sort of feel? Like 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 the cars that we we're used to in terms of the noise and the smell and the you know what I mean all those things that we love. Yeah, I think when it gets down to the, the, the proper like the enthusiast end of the market, mm. um, I still believe that they will go. They'll, they'll have an electric car they'll, and they'll be very happy with an electric car for their for their Sunday to Thursday driving uh, to work and back and all that sort of thing. And, and once they drive an electric car. Uh, a few of the, 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 the luxury and performance ones that are coming out now, and I was fortunate to drive the Porsche Taycan last year, and that really was an eye-opener for me. Mm. More recently here, I've driven a little Hyundai Kona as like a, a, a little shopping runaround. <laughs> They're both good in their respective areas. And I think if you have uh, if you have your, your, your nice old classic in the garage or something you can use on the weekends, because you know, we're not getting rid of combustion engines for a very long time. And I think they'll be around in a niche sense. And, and I think a lot of people will be using their electric vehicle day to day and then on the weekend getting into their toys. I kind of liken it to, to people who, who, uh, who, who have a horse in a stable and they take it, they, they go riding on the weekends. <laughs> it's a similar kind of thing. They put the ho- you know, you put the horse in the horse float and you, and you, and you drive out there to a, to a park and a gathering with everyone and you and compete in equestrian and do whatever and then the, the horse goes back to a stable. I can see right. a similar pattern with classic car owners in the future. Yeah, but they they would have to ha- they would have to be um, fairly wealthy, wouldn't they? You know, car storage for that kind of uh, pleasure is is not cheap. You know, and uh, and especially yes. especially if, you know that those sorts of numbers increase. Um, there's something in London called the congestion charge, and um, you know if you the, there's an advert that, that plays in the UK. On, on radio, which says, you know, if you own a, an, they call it an older polluting vehicle, then you're, you get charged more for the con- congestion charge. And so this is, this is kind of an example of, of what you mean by sort of government legislation sort of um, directing people away uh, and towards um, EV. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's a way that in order to, to clean, clean the, uh, the environment up. Mm. And to encourage and entice people. So if you look at other case studies such as Oslo in Norway and California and a few others, there are other incentives such as whether you have a transit lane that's for three passengers or more yes. that gets you into the city. EVs are allowed on those. You have preferential parking treatment in shopping malls, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's, it's all a bit of a stopgap because eventually – as we all start driving electric vehicles, we're going to all be taking advantage of that, and then there's no advantage. So, you know, the congestion charge will, for for for, uh, for dirty vehicles won't mean much when everyone's driving an electric vehicle and therefore everyone's allowed inside the the zone. Yeah, so um, in London, so they'll, it, they'll, it's a bit of a stopgap. They'll just yeah, I mean, in London, once everybody's got an electric vehicle, they'll just have to find some another way to charge, another reason to to charge. Uh, 
which I'm sure they'll figure out. Yeah. Um, let's let's move on to um, another Ford story. It's the regional release this week of the new Ford F one fifty. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a favourite in in the region. The F one fifty, the 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 new ones coming out, um, and in keeping with the clean the clean message of this morning. It's also going to be the region's first hybrid electric powertrain, and that mm. is a, a three-point. Um, that is the uh, the V6 plug-in hybrid. Now there are four engine options. There are three V6s, which includes the hybrid. Um, there's also the return of the V8, which uh, which which was dropped from the current Raptor, for for instance. So the five-liter V8 is returning. Um, funnily enough, it's the least powerful of the lot. It's 400 horsepower, mm. 555 newton meters. The hybrid. Uh, you're, you're, you're looking at 772 newton meters of torque. So from a 3.5 liter V6, um, and the V and the, the regular V6 is a twin turbo. So you know it's a, it's a it's also 400 horsepower, but 677 newton meters. So the V8 is back for the soul. Uh, <laughs> I think the the real workhorses will come from the V6s and the, and the hybrid. But great to see them back. You know. Um, mm. Interesting little thing with with the with the hybrid, and it's a different kind of thing now. Is that it now has an onboard power generator, so you've got 2.3 kilowatts of power to play with, which which can power things like uh, uh, camp lighting or power mm-hmm. tools, um, air compressors, that sort of stuff. So. It opens it up to a whole new facet of how you can use the vehicle. Mm. I, I love the advertising. Uh, it's been described by Ford. I was looking at the website earlier as a beast with brains, relentlessly tough, <laughs> high strength, military grade. No, this is not an advert for Ford. But this is how they describe it. Uh, military grade aluminium alloy body. And get this torture tested, high strength steel frame. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if all of that is true, but whoever wrote that uh, advert should uh, deserves whatever money they're getting because it sounds amazing. <laughs> You're back with Ray Addison on Motormania. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. And motoring journalist Damien Reed is with me on the line going through all the latest news. Uh, Damien, um, let's talk about the uh, GM Middle East is going electric and it's starting, of course, with a little uh, Chevy Bolt. Yeah, so General Motors um, Middle East has actually announced sort of their intention too to, to follow head offices for thinking of going down the, the electric path. We spoke about it a few weeks ago with Cadillac going down that path, but they're also going with the other models. So they're kicking off first with the baby Chevrolet Bolt EUV. It's 402-kilometre range, um, and uh, it's it's kind of the Chevy spark size vehicle. So it's, it's the small entry-level car. Mm. Um, I've got a feeling... I mean, we, we drove on a long time ago. I'm not sure whether it actually went on market back then or and, and it didn't last long and it had another bite at the apple or whether it was a development vehicle. But I have driven it around the region and I drove it down to Russell Chamber and back. And, um, yeah, fantastic little thing. But um, it's the first one out. And uh, then, of course, the other big news from GM is that the... Um, GMC bringing Hummer, the name back, as an EV, and that, I oh. think, is going to be a big one for our market. Yeah, I think we chatted about that. Uh, did we chat about that a couple of weeks ago, or was that the G? I'm not, I can't remember. But just going back to the to the Bolt, I, I was taking a look at the website, and I, tell me if I'm completely missing the mark here, but the website seemed to be aiming the car quite firmly at sort of senior citizens and, and mature drivers. <laughs> Would that sound right? <laughs> <laughs> it... it, it. 
Like the first, it, there's, there's, it, it there's, may there's, have. there's profiles. There's 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 driver profiles, and the the first person you get to is is Joan seventy seven, um, and then you know there's a there's a guy sort of firmly in his in his late fifties, sort of early early sixties, um, and and there's there's little sort of quotes. It's very basically it's sort of people saying it's the right environmental step and, um, you know, I'm worried about burning the burning of fossil fuels and, and all that kind of stuff. And so it, it sort of feels like it's, it's aimed at that sort of older market. I think you might be, you might be right. I haven't seen the advertising myself, mm. but, but judging from what you're saying, it might be right. Because as we said, it's the size of Chevy Spark. So it's a small, you know, um, little you know, easy to run around car. Mm. However, as we discussed on the show uh, a few episodes back, the price difference in purchase prices of a, of a petrol vehicle versus an EV. So the Chevrolet Spark is around about 37,000 dirhams or thereabouts. Mm. Um, the, the, the Bolt is, is roughly around, is, is, uh, I'm not sure about this, this new model here, but when we did our survey before, 164,000 dirhams. So it's a massive, massive increase in price to, to, to buy the electric te- mm. architecture and technology for a car that's very similar. So that would kind of make sense that they would... Um, Target the the people who who don't need the big car, but but obviously have got a, a um, got a bit of money behind them to, to get into it, and that's that's the common thread with with all EVs. If you compare them to their petrol counterparts, for instance, the Audi e-tron, which is like the Q5 version, the electric, you know, that's the nearest competitor in Audi language. Yeah. It's two hundred and ten versus four hundred and fifty six thousand. So there's always that to play out on the EV side. But the little Bolt, um, the Bolt, I've driven it, and it's um, yeah, it's it's a, yeah, 400 kilometres. That means you can you can go a week without charging, pretty much around Dubai. Wow! And it will get you around no problem. It's a it's about six and a half seconds from memory to 100 kilometres an hour. So yeah, fairly fairly nippy little car as well. Uh, let's look at Porsche. They are releasing a carbon neutral synthetic liquid fuel, and they they sort of announced that they were developing this. Um, kind of late last year, um, and it seems there's been quite a fast turnaround here. Yes, so they're they're in a joint venture with Siemens in Chile to create the first industrial-scale synthetic fuel plant that they're aiming to produce half a billion litres of this fuel by 2026. Now, what it is, they've called it e-fuel. It's produced from um, uh, CO2 and hydrogen using renewable energy. So it's going to be carbon neutral, but it'll have a similar properties to, properties to say kerosene, diesel and petrol. It's a liquid fuel. It uses the existing architecture, um, so i.e. You know, gas stations. Mm. Uh, it takes the same time to fill up. And uh, Porsche are claiming that there's no modifications required to the engines and there might even actually be an increase in horsepower. So... Okay. It all looks really good and sounds really good. There has to be another side to the story. <laughs> and the other side of that story is that it's going to be roughly three times the price of petrol to fill. So yes. it's going to be expensive, but it means you're going to run uh, a combustion engine with about the same CO2 emissions well-to-wheel from production to, to, to the car of an EV. So when you stop uh, at, the, at the gas station, you can have a choice of super, special or synthetic Staying with the yes, yeah, exactly. It's, it's going to be right there. Um, well, that'll be interesting Absolutely. to see uh, what the price ends up being and how quickly it comes out here. Um, let's talk about fake car parts because uh, I know there's a story that kind of caught your eye in Australia, but you think it's relevant to this part of the world as well? Yeah, it's something that we try to uh, we we kept nipping the bud at the border and at the ports quite often in in, in the UAE, and yeah. that's fake car parts, and it's kicked off down here in Australia as well, and there's an investigation by the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries here 
has, has found out that more than one in two, 62% of parts purchased in a test buy program were counterfeit. And these right. were things like oil filters, air filters, spark plugs, keys and grills. And, you know, I mean, they might not sound much to start with, but when you're talking about an oil filter that can collapse, the components can collapse, collapse rather, yeah. and go through your engine, it yeah. destroys your engine. Counterfeit wheels, you know, they, if you hit the gutter, they shatter and, and crack or even heat crack under temperatures, which is extreme for, for our region as well. Mm. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a continual problem that is constantly something that the, that the UAE Automotive Chambers are, are constantly keeping an eye on. It's always very relevant that we, we bring it up again because uh, it, it's still there and it's still something we need to basically just keep buying genuine parts, you yes. know, and making sure we've got the good stuff in the cars. Because there's, there's a, you know, we have a decision as, as, as drivers when we're having repairs done to our vehicles, you know, whether we go um, with the... Um, you know the part manufactured by the, the you know the manufacturer, or if we get a, a replacement part from somebody else. Um, but what we do not want to do is is be sold counterfeit parts. Uh, you know we're obviously you know the drivers are the victim in, in in this sense. But are the garages being kind of having the wool pulled over their eyes as well, or is is what's going on there? How are these sort yeah. of counter? Yeah. If you order from Toyota, you order a bumper from Toyota. You, you you would expect it to be real unless you're ordering from somewhere else where I guess you could you could get, be misled. Yeah, absolutely. If you if you order from the manufacturer, if you drop your car into the manufacturer's dealer, then you you will get the genuine parts. There's no issue there, and of course, you probably pay a premium for that. Um, if you go to uh, to an independent garage. Uh, they may, in all in all the best faith in the world, buy the genuine parts yeah. as well, or label as genuine, but not realise that they're actually buying uh, a counterfeit product. Some, perhaps, would would knowingly buy a counterfeit. So, you know, they're, they're, yes, the, the garages, in short, can get caught out. Now, there's nothing, um, there's nothing wrong, and it's certainly completely within the consumer's right. If you feel if you wanted to get your car serviced by an independent garage. To buy the parts yourself from the from the manufacturer. So if you want to, yeah, to use your analogy, if you want to replace your Toyota bumper, you can take it to an independent garage. You can buy the bumper from Toyota yourself mm. and have it fitted, uh, installed by your your friendly local mechanic. So that's completely within your rights. Likewise, if you're at an independent uh, uh, workshop, it's clearly within your rights to ask to to ask for the receipts of the purchased parts to see that they are genuine as well. That's interesting. Yeah, I actually have a friend who does that. He um he he will buy the he'll find out what he needs and then he'll go and buy the parts himself and then you know deliver them to the garage and and saves himself a lot of money doing it that way actually. Yeah, because then you you really only you're only paying for for the labor at the garage. Yeah. Uh, the the component price you're taking yourself and of course the, the the garage will probably do pretty much exactly the same thing and, and put a small markup on it as well. Mm. So you're saving that markup by doing the legwork yourself if you've got the time to do that. So it's one way to do it. But you know, just generally speaking, if for for ninety ninety nine percent of us out there is just keep getting a service from the manufacturer of dealerships and you and you won't have a problem. But counterfeit parts is just a global problem and it's yeah. a, it's an issue in the region as well as it is anywhere else, and it's something we always need to be vigilant about. Uh, just quickly, Damien, what, what have you got coming up this week? So this week, actually, we're talking about Jaguar going electric. Quite ironic, because I've just um, I've picked up the Jaguar F-Type R, which is uh, uh, around about 500 horsepower, 5-litre supercharged V8 to run. <laughs> so I'm, I'm now enjoying that as a bit of a swan song, I think, as to how, uh, how Jaguar used to be um, that we'll be looking back on. So... 
doing that for a bit of a review this week, and then um, a road trip next week, about a thousand kilometres wow. up to uh, up to Brisbane. The borders are open here, so yes, we're doing a, a long distance run up That'll there next week, and then I'll be back in Dubai. So yes, good. Yes, finally, uh, Damien. Thank you so much. If you want to follow uh, Damien Reed, he is at Damien Reed on social media. We'll be chatting to him in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, coming up, I'll be talking to Mazin Al Khatib about how he turned his passion for classic cars into a business. This is Motor Mania with Ray Addison. Powered by servicemycar.com, the UAE's first and largest vehicle servicing network. There's more coming up on Dubai I 103.8. Thanks to everyone who's been getting in touch with the show today. Uh, now, collecting cars is a passion for many, and Mazin Al Khatib has built up a collection of over 100, and he displays them at his company, Nostalgia Classic Cars Gallery in Al Sakal here in Dubai. Now, earlier on, I spoke to him and I started by asking when he first realized that he had a passion for the classics. Honestly, uh, as far as I remember, I cannot remember when, but my mom used to tell me that ever since I've loved cars all my life, but ever since we started going to Europe and my parents are taking us to Europe and Every time I come uh, across a, an old classic car, I used to go around it and keep staring at it. Mind you, I grew up in Dubai, and at that time, in the, in the early 70s, there was not much of classic cars, you know, then. Mm. So, uh, and then uh, this thing started to come into me more and more, and uh, uh, during my college years, when I went to the States, uh, I started looking, and because you'll see it there more often on the streets than here, mm-hmm. uh, started getting actually in love with them, and uh, that's basically it. Yeah, it, it's an interesting word, love. You know, what what particular car first caught your eye? Was is there a, is there a particular uh, make a model that you just feel fell oh, head yeah. over heels in love with? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, my uh, and I have it today. Thank God. I was able to get it. Uh, my AC, the AC Cobra. Yeah, beautiful. What, why that one? Probably because I read the the story behind it and how it was uh, thought of by Carol Shelby and how he struggled uh, to produce such a car uh, and how he went to England and when they rejected him at, at the beginning. All that probably, and honestly, I love the shape of it. The shape of it as well. Yeah. So for you, part of the <laughs> appeal is the the journey that the the car has gone on from design through to making it to the road, and and then I'm guessing the journey that it's kind of been on um, as a as a as an individual vehicle over the years through its various different owners. True, that's very true. Uh, I mean, if you've asked me. Uh, uh, to be fair, I mean, AC Cobra is one, and the other one is the uh, Porsche 356. Again, more or less the same. Uh, the history behind Frederick Porsche, when he finished designing the Volkswagen Beetle, and then he decided to do one on his own, uh, more or less the same. So, it's, yes, the appeal and the story behind it. You're right. You're absolutely right. So let, let's talk definitions then. What is you're in the business, so you probably know this. What is the definition of a classic car? When does a car become classic? Um, as per the American definition, uh, it's anything older than 25 years. Mm-hmm. In Europe, it's anything older than 30 years. Why? I don't know. 
<laughs> the five years difference, I don't know. So if but you got, I bet, yeah. So if you got a list of of cars that are about to turn thirty five, uh, sorry, thirty or twenty five years old, uh, that are kind of about to make it into the the classic car club, so to speak. Yeah, as, absolutely, you're right. And but mind you, now anything can become classic, but not anything can become collectible. Hmm. There's a difference here. Yeah. So what, what, what is that difference? And, and, and who, who kind of decides? Is it just down to the individual passions of the, of the, well, of the buyer? It's the individual, uh, but more is the, is the uh, those masters or those... Uh, because, look, I mean, when they produce a car uh, 30 years ago that they've only produced a limited edition of it, or it's a certain number, or... Uh, that makes it more of a collectible car, mm. especially if you look at it from an investment point of view. As you know, I mean, collecting classic cars has two things. Passion, like me, and I was an investment banker all my life. And then one day I said, no, enough with it. And I converted my hobby into a business. Or uh, the investment part of it. Mm. You buy, you collect, you sit on for a few years in order for the thing to appreciate. Let, let's talk about how you decided to turn it from a, from a passion in, into a business. So what, why didn't you go into um, you know, the, the, the car world straight away, straight out of college? Why did you decide to go into banking and then, and then sort of go into it later in life? Oh, um, I like this question. Thank you. Um, well, when I finished my college, I uh, wanted to have a job that I've always dreamt to be a banker honestly. And uh, as I told you, cars have always been my passion. I love to race. I love to, uh, that was years ago, which I, so, and when I became a banker and I became, I think, a successful banker and uh, money started to become more and more, that's when I started to take part of this thing that I used to earn and spend it on my hobby. So, uh, I, I mean, I could not go that <clears throat> directly into the cars business. Mm. Probably, probably, I thought that banking would have made me reach my objectives in life uh, faster or more than uh, going into the car business. Well, the, the business that you have, Nostalgia Classic Cars, it, it's not just a, it, it's a gallery. It's, 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 some, it's a place, a venue for people to come and enjoy classic cars. You host events as well, um, and you do restorations and it's it's in a really sort of funky area it's in the al Sakal area do you get a lot of people kind of wandering in and and just enjoying um viewing the cars oh yeah oh yeah as a matter of fact if you i have a statistic for it uh since ever we opened five years ago uh almost 65 70 percent of people who walk in are just the viewers and browsers uh including the restoration facility mm. Uh, and then 25% only they come for a serious uh, transaction, mm-hmm. either to buy a car from the gallery or to uh, maintain or restore uh, an, a classic car that they have in, in our restoration facility. With regards to the restoration, I know yes, you know from from sort of research that I've done that uh, restoring a car, a classic car, can sometimes. Uh, reduce its value because people want to have that kind of barn find if i can if i can use that term they want to have the the original sort of bones they don't want to have 
too much of the the upholstery changed or too much of the you know the the, the metalwork replaced if it's for example rusted so what's the balance between keeping a car in its original state and restoring it to the point where it's sort of not really the same car anymore well <clears throat> i probably would have to little bit disagree with you because mm-hmm. uh, rightly when you mentioned that uh, the car and its value will be much more when every single thing in in, in a car is, is original however however certain things that you need to maintain or to yeah maintain there is no way that you can have today and i have seen it in my own eyes uh, from experts from england that they came to restore the leather of a 1932 car uh, which i saw it actually in greece and they reached a level that they could not so now this car is, yes, in its value, it has the upholstery of the, uh, since it came out of the factory, but then it's not drivable, and it cannot be, you know, it can't function. Now, certain things like the leather, like the paint, like the chroming and re-chroming, these things, you have to do it in order to preserve the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it comes to the machine, the mechanic, these are the things that can be restored. And there, where you can really put a lot of effort and man hour to restore the existing part, and some people take it the easy way and just replace it. Such an interesting guy. Uh, we'll have more from my conversation with Mazin Al Khatib. He's the CEO of Nostalgia Nostalgia Classic Cars. Uh, after this, this is Motor Mania with Ray Addison. Powered by ServiceMyCar.com, the UAE's first and largest vehicle servicing network. There's more coming up on Dubai Eye 103.8. Yeah, just before the break, I was chatting to Mazin Al-Khatib. He's the CEO of Nostalgia Classic Cars. He's got a collection of over 100 uh, classic vehicles at his gallery in Al-Sakal. And a little bit earlier on, I was asking him if there was a big classic car community here in the UAE, and if so, what kind of size is it? Well, to tell you the truth, when we opened five years ago, the classic car culture was not as much. And I was I was a little bit uh, shocked. I, I, I used to have, I mean, I still know a lot of collectors, but the culture to see it on the street, to be driven on the street. And then by time, uh, I would say probably three years ago and uh, start, you started seeing some events, you started seeing some uh, people on the streets who were driving them, uh, and it's getting there. It's getting there, but I still believe we still have a long way to go to uh, have a really proper a classic car culture in the UAE in general. Mm. Now, by default, by default, most of the classic cars that you see is uh, Americans. Why? Easier to restore, easier to find parts, uh, cheaper cheaper than European, uh, mainly European. So you would see it more uh, in the event than other European cars. Mm. So let's let's say I wanted to get into uh, classic cars and, uh, you know, what sort of entry-level budget am I going to need and what tips would you give me about, you know, the, the right kind of car to buy? Again, thank you for this question because a lot of people think 
in order to buy a classic car, I need to have a lot of money. Mm. And that's wrong. That's completely wrong. You still can buy a classic car for $10,000, $15,000 in a good shape, and you maintain it. The beauty of having classic car is to kind of to be part of this kind of maintaining it or servicing it, the basic stuff, if you know what I mean. And that's how you create the bond between you and the car. Now, uh, a lot of people, as I said, they think that they need to have a lot of money. No, no. And there are some cars in this range, $15, $20,000, that they are appreciating. So basically, you need to know what model or what uh, car you like to have and how much is appreciating uh, compared to other cars. And there are so many indices that you can follow on the Internet and that. Now, this is this something that some people say, well, we don't care. I like this car because it reminds me of my high school days. Mm. I like this car because this is the first car I ever driven. Uh, so I don't care about it being appreciated or, or not. I just want to have it. Mm. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, uh, there is not a really uh, high budget for to enter a classic car uh, hobby or field. What about, um, I mean, you've managed to turn your passion into a business. What about if I wanted to, you know, make money out of classic cars? How quickly do they um, accumulate value or increase in value? Uh, is it something that you can sort of, like a bit like property, sort of buy, restore, flip? and actually make, make money of it quite quickly? Uh, well, some, some models, yes, and some models, no. I mean, it depends on the, on the, on the model that you, you, you want to invest. Now we're talking investment. Mm. So today, for instance, if you tell me uh, uh, what, the, what one of the models that's really appreciating high for the past almost five, four years, or maybe a little bit more, five, five years, and nobody knows why, by the way. Nobody knows why. It's the Porsches. Mm. Porsches all of a sudden became collectible and they're appreciating in price. Seven years ago, you could have bought the same one, probably 60, 50, without exaggeration, 50, 60% less than today. Wow. So, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Certain models are really uh, are appreciating faster than others. So that, and then depends on, on, on your pocket and how much you have to spare to buy such a thing. Mm. Well, just yeah. just going back to the theme of, of, of money, obviously we were say, you were saying that you don't have to have a huge amount of money in order to get into this as a, as a hobbyist. But what about, mm-hmm. okay, let's say I've, I've, you know, I've put down sort of 20, maybe 30,000 and I've, I've bought a, a classic car. But what about maintain, maintenance sort of over the, the, the years? Is it something that's very costly to maintain on a sort of annual basis? No. If you really take, look, a lot of people think that when they're not driving their car, when they're not turning the engine, they are taking good care of it. And that's completely wrong. A, a, a engine that's not running, it's a dying engine. So by maintaining the car, even if you drive it every 10 days around the block for a few kilometers, that's how you maintain your engine. Mm. Uh, maintenance, honestly, no. One, uh, mind you, it's how you drive it also. If you're going to drive it rough and tough and, and the, the engine is uh, 50 or 60 years old, uh, no, it will not last. Mm. So basically, you have to really take care of it, how you drive it, how you... Uh, but the basic maintenance is not that. Uh, and you can come, I mean, at any time you like to be to our facilities and see for yourself. Uh, we have 
I mean, I'm, I'm so proud to say that uh, uh, the facility that uh, I have today is the only one in the UAE that uh, has everything a classic car needs in terms of maintenance or restoration mm. under one roof. And that is the nightmare of any collector. Uh, and that's what I did because I have lived this. And that's how what I did when I decided to open this facility. We can really hear your passion, uh, Mazin Al-Khatib, CEO, Nostalgia Classic Cars. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate Thank it. Thank you for having me. Fascinating. And I was I just said at the end of that call um, to Mazin that I was going to wander down to Al-Sakal, take my son to... to glance and uh, peruse all of the the collection over a hundred classic cars down there at nostalgia classic cars gallery in al-sakal and of course al-sakal uh, it's just amazing anyways so if you haven't been there for a while you you'd be surprised it's just there's a real food scene there's an art gallery scene uh, there's obviously the classic car company and uh classic sort of vespers and um, motorbikes down there as well it's really really cool uh let's uh well we've run out of time uh, so let's give you the results of our survey uh we asked you on our social media platforms uh will you own an electric car within the next five years and it was no it was no 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 all the way until the last five minutes now yes 52 percent no uh 48 percent uh so uh keep voting on there it'll be up for about 24 hours i think uh we've got lots of text that we didn't have time to read out for fix it or flip it thank you for texting in uh we'll add them onto our speed round when we're next on air which is the 6th of march Uh, whatever you're doing have a great afternoon stay safe and i'll see you in a couple of weeks time